It comes out of Hebrews chapter 10. And later on in the service, after I get through preaching, we'll be taken to the Lord's Supper. And as when you sit back down, when you look at the songbook in front of you, there are cup holders. And inside those cup holders are the elements. And so those have already been put out for you to be able to use. So anyway, look with me and you'll see it on the screen. It's um, Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 11 through 14. If it doesn't show up, you can just listen. It'll be all right. It says, And every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never be, take away sins. But this man, and that word man is capitalized, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever those who are being set apart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a beautiful day that you've created. This beautiful day that you have woken us up to and that we get to come and to speak well of you, to praise you. Lord, may we honor you in our obedience to you today. Lord, we thank you for what this day is, the first day of the week. Lord, we thank you. And it's in your holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. It is a beautiful day and we serve a beautiful God. I'm going to ask that you'll remain standing and we're going to sing Beautiful One, 128. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. 446.
that we can come together. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the beautiful gift that you have offered us, and that is salvation through faith in you. Lord, we thank you for the relationship that we can have with you where you are our Lord and we are your servant. Lord, it is beautiful what you did for us on the cross. Lord, it is beautiful what you continue to do for us day to day. Lord, it's beautiful to read the words and to see what the disciples saw. Lord, their accounts, their eyewitnesses of what you did, what you overcame, what you endured. Lord, I am so blessed. Lord, I am so happy to know that you understand what it's, what it's like to be us, God. Lord, that, that you're not someone that, that has no clue what we're going through. But Lord, there any temptation that we can encounter, you have already overcome. You encountered it and overcame it. Lord, I pray that you will help us to rely on your word, to, to rely on your guidance, to rely on your goodness. Lord, there is nothing good in us apart from you. Lord, I pray that you will help us to live that way where you are what's good and you are what's worth proclaiming. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Because he lives, 449. Because he lives, I 
59 still. trials, tribulations, no matter what uncertainty presents us as a country, as a community, as a family, as an individual, Lord, that you are God. Lord, one of the hardest things for me to do is to be still, to not try to, to fix things or work on things on my own. But Lord, there are many things in my life and in the life of each believer that only you can handle. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, that you haven't neglected us, that you have not left us, 
We thank You for Your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us. We thank You for Your Word to prepare us, for us to use as a sword to rightly divide the Word of truth. Lord, I pray that You will help us. Help us to dedicate ourselves to Your Word and to prayer and fasting, Lord. In Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Alright kids, so last week we actually read through this first and we had color sheets for this and actually this is one of our one of our kids did this coloring here and that's the one we're utilizing this morning. I appreciate uh, all the participants with that. It's very nice. Didn't they do a good job coloring? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so just a little review from what we did last week as we, we read through the Scripture. Let's start with that now. I'm going to read it one time, and I would like for everyone to help me read it the second time through, okay? So trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And that is Proverbs 3, 5. Let's read that together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Okay, so we referred to trusting. That was to rely on something, to uh, depend on it. And what we refer to when it says trust in the Lord is we're talking about God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And we know later on in the New Testament that it reveals that Jesus is that very same Lord. Okay, so with all of your heart, and we talked about the heart, and for us, we know that the heart is an organ that's in our body that's about the size of our fist, and it provides the blood that goes through our, our whole circulatory system. We talked about those veins. Y'all remember those veins? Yeah, that was you. That's right. And so that it, it helps send all the oxygen and all the nutrients all throughout your body to be able to provide our daily sustainment, right? So it sustains our life, and that's its purpose. And um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the rest of this actual scripture here. So I've got, a, I've got something here that, that I think I'd rather just talk from, and, and I'll, I'll try that out. You know, I, I, I figured it'd be good for me to just be able to kind of sit like on a stool or something like that. So it seemed like this would suffice. This will work for us. And it, it looks about the same size as a stool, right? You think so? I've seen, I've seen boxes. That's actually what I have in my hand for anybody that can't see me right now. I, I've actually seen boxes stacked on one another. So I'm thinking, you know, I'll be able to, to just kind of rest on this and we'll use it as a stool, okay? Oh, man. What? That was supposed to... But boxes hold up other boxes with all kind of stuff in it and everything. Why didn't that work? I'm too heavy. Watch out now. Are those fighting words? Anyway, I think you're right. I think you're right. I may have ate, I may have ate too much this morning. But see, I, I really don't understand because time and time again, I've seen working in a warehouse and, and you know different jobs and even in Walmart and stuff, I'll go and I'll see these boxes that are sitting on other boxes and they look pretty heavy and I've picked up some of them and sometimes they are really heavy. So I just don't understand why it didn't hold up. I'm not balanced. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. What's that? Oh, maybe it's because it didn't have something in it. That's a good thought. Maybe You know what? I, I don't think I, I thought about that. And I, I think you're right that that's what it needed was something in it to provide some something sturdy. Yeah, it was hollow. That's right. That was the problem. I bet you're right. That's a good understanding. I appreciate that. All right, but let's go ahead and let's study the second part of our scripture here. And it says, And do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, so what does it mean to lean on something? All right, what it means to, yeah, to kind of prop up on it? Okay, that's right. That's right. So what I, have, what I have found in kind of looking in dictionary here is it says, 
cause something to rest against. So when I was trying to sit on this box here, I was going to rest on it, right? Okay, and it didn't hold up, did it? Nope, that wasn't very smart to lean on it. All right, so to lean on it is to rest on something, to, to put all of your weight on or whatever that would be. All right, so it says, do not lean on your own understanding. So what is understanding? Any guesses as to what that would be? Like you know what you're doing. That's right. You, okay, I agree. I agree. You know, I thought I understood what was going to happen when I sat on that box, and it didn't work out right, did it? No. Okay. So what I have found as far as a definition is to have insight or good judgment. Was that good judgment for Mr. Jason to sit on this box? No. What happened? I fell all the way to the ground. The box just crushed, right? So I, I didn't have good judgment, did I? Okay. So that's a good representation of what this scripture is talking about. Sometimes we can put our trust or we can lean on something that we don't fully understand, that we don't fully grasp. So let's read this scripture one more time. And I want you to consider, you know, what things... Should we, or what thing, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that it's the Lord. The very first part of that scripture is what we should trust and we should lean on. Okay, so that scripture is, let's read it all together again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. All right, thank you very much. You want to borrow a seat, Brother Barry? Uh, I'll be sitting down the whole time. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think we learn a lot more than the children do when we have children's church because um, it seems like it's easier to grasp. <clears throat> and um, I know Jason and I were talking about that before. So people, we do enjoy those children's illustrations, the children's sermon, because it's just easier to grasp. If you would take your copy of God's Word, look with me in Luke chapter 23. As you are finding your place there in the passage that this physician went and researched out, did an intense study of interviewing people, and then wrote it down in an account that we have not only as Luke, but also he wrote the book of Acts as well. And I want to go back and read through Hebrews chapter 10, a commentary of the Old Testament. While you hold your place there, in Luke chapter 23, I want to read from Hebrews chapter 10 once again. And the author here is speaking of Christ, the one who paid the complete sin debt for all of mankind once and for all, never to repeat it again. In order for a per if, if, if a person could lose their salvation, then Christ himself would have to come back to earth and he would have to re-die again and re-die again and re-die again. His sacrifice was perfect for all mankind. And so we pick up and read from this Old Testament commentary found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. The word is atone. It can only cover sins. But this man, referring to Christ Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, those who are being set apart. So Christ is that perfect sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice for all mankind. It was sometime back in the spring 
that I sent out a text of a Bible study that our written certificate of debt was nailed to the cross. And that day and time when they wrote on this papyrus material, since the ink would not be able to soak down into the material, you could go back over the material and wipe over it. Well, that was what Jesus did. He cleaned our sins completely for those who would call upon His name on that written certificate of debt and no longer have to carry that sin debt any longer because our faith is in Christ. I want to go back to many centuries ago to when Jesus on that good Friday, it was good for us, it was bad for Him. And it's kind of hard to say Good Friday knowing of what all that took place on that day, that it was bad, but it was good. And I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 23, in verses 38, or verse 39 through 43. And I want us to look at the title of today's message, The Three Crosses. Now, for some time... You have been in this facility, you've been in this auditorium, and you have looked forward. And as you look forward, what do you see? Three crosses. There's something very visual to remind you of what occurred on that day. And so I want to pick up in Luke chapter 23 as we look at the three crosses. And on that day, our sins were nailed to the cross. And it was nailed to the cross of the one who stood in the middle. There were two criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Each one had equal access. Each one had equal opportunity to Christ the Lord. But only one would take his forgiveness. Only one would take his payment of sin. Only one would call upon his name. And as they hung there, that'd be a better word instead of stood, as they hung there, they would hear the seven last sayings of Christ. And somewhere between the first saying of Christ, where Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And until the second saying of Christ, some spiritual event occurred in one of the criminal's heart and it was a crisis. They both witnessed the same occurrence of what was happening not only to themselves, but was happening to Jesus. Both had equal access, both had equal opportunity, and both heard Jesus begin, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it would lead to the second saying of Christ that we would find momentarily. So let's look at the cross of condemnation. Now, I don't know if this criminal was on the left or the right. We're not told, but we know that criminals were on each side of Jesus. And over in Matthew chapter 27, I'm going to read from it just briefly. And it says in Matthew 27 verse 38, Then two robbers were crucified with Jesus, one on the right and the other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed Jesus, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest, also mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. So even at the very beginning, both were intense 
of acting out what was in their heart, what was going on in their mind, what their religious established was staying as they hurled these insults toward Jesus. Hey, if you're the Son of God, hey, you said you were going to destroy the temple and build up three days, then save yourself. So we see the very first criminal in verse 39. Then one of the criminals who hang blasphemed Jesus saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Now the criminals, these robbers, the word robber means, or criminal means robber, it means rebel. It's the same word used in John chapter 18, verse 40 with Barabbas. You remember Barabbas was the one that the chief priest would call out that would be the one released instead of Jesus. Pilate was wanting to release someone that day and they called out that Barabbas would be the one to be released, crucified Jesus. Now, that same word robber is used for Barabbas as it's used here. That word robber means to use violence to open to use to rob openly. It also means that they were guilty of armed robbery that involved murder. They were called insurrectionists. They were called rebels. They were called ones who were rising against Israel, against, or against the Roman government, against the Roman government, against this established authority. That was called insurrectionists. So these criminals hanging one on the side and one on the other side, that they both began with insults. They both began with blasphemy against Christ. And you had one that would continue with this, and this one would say, hey, if you're the Christ, if you are who you say you are, the Son of God, then save yourself, and while you're at it, save us. You go, that's a very bold statement to make from someone who's hanging on the cross. And not only is this criminal saying it, but he's saying with a lot of sarcasm. He's saying it with this quick fix idea. Hey, if you really are who you say you are, I'll be in really good shape. You know, I'm in a lot of pain, excruciating pain. All three of us are hanging here with nails in our skin and our hands and our feet. It would be a good thing if you would just call heaven down and then you take yourself away from the cross and while you're at it, take us with you. I'm all for that because I'm in excruciating pain right now. And that's the way a lot of people look at Jesus, like that particular criminal on this cross of condemnation. He's guilty of his crimes. He's guilty against the Roman government. And so he is to be put to death. And yet he's looking like a lot of people, not only in our country, but across the world. If you can just make me feel better, God, then I'll follow you. There's like, if you will, then I will. It's not that I want to turn everything over to you. I just want to feel better and get this behind me and move on. And that's what a lot of people in our world want. It's just a quick fix. That's the only thing they think about Christ is someone who can make them feel better. And then once they feel better, then, you know, then I'm not worried about everything else because you just made me feel good. Jesus didn't come to make us feel good. He came to rescue all of mankind. And so with this criminal on the cross, his desire through this cross of condemnation was nothing more than just getting down feeling better. If you're really the Son of God and who you say you really are, if you can do it while you're at it, get me with you. But then there was another cross. It's the cross of confession. And this gives a lot more detail to both of them than just the one we discussed. It says here in Luke chapter 23, verse 39, then one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemed Jesus, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, 
rebuked the other criminals, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, once again, what was spoken of in Hebrews, this man, that word man is capitalized, referring back to Christ, the cross in the middle, has done nothing wrong. So something has taken place on this cross that began at 9 a.m. in the morning. And while all three are hanging there, Jesus began, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when Jesus spoke that, he had lived it out from all eternity past. And even from that moment, he was referring to what he would do. Even going to his death, he would forgive. The very one that sometimes in my flesh be like James and John. Lord, I don't mind. Burn them up. Burn them up. Send fire from heaven and scorch them all. But that's not what he did. He said, Father, forgive them. And so as that began to be spoken, and in the time frame that we get to the second statement in just a minute, something was going on in that criminal on the other side of Jesus. Because that first one, he knew he was condemned and he didn't care. And now this other one is taking something to heart of the spiritual truth. And there's a possibility that they had seen Jesus at work. Maybe they had heard his teaching. Maybe they had seen him before, but something was going on in this criminal's mind and heart and will, and it was a crisis. It was a spiritual crisis that was stirring inside of him that he began to think spiritually of what was going on. And he goes back. No more is he the one blasting. No more is he the one throwing the insults. But now he's defending the one in the middle. And this is what he says there in verse, verse 40. Do you not even fear God? Last week, Sunday night, as we looked at Psalm 36, David was writing, and he said, An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. So he has no fear of God in him. Now we live here in America and we love the country in which we live and there's other people that live across the world that love the country in which they live and they may have grown up in some type of spiritual environment where people go to a place of worship and they learn and they study about God and there's our conscience um, fears God. We recognize that God, as Jason said, is the creator of all the universe. But we haven't moved past God as being creator. We only hold on to that. And here he tells this other criminal, you don't even fear God. You don't honor Him. You don't show gratitude towards Him. You care nothing for Him. You're only thinking of yourself. There is no fear of God in you. And then he goes on to explain a little bit more of their own condemnation. And he begins to confess this. Do you not even fear God seeing you're under the same condemnation? Without Christ and without calling upon Him, every single human being is condemned to death. We deserve hell. We do not deserve God's mercy. We do not deserve God's loving kindness, His mercy, His grace, His benevolent action. We don't deserve that. 
we're con we were as believers we were condemned we have since changed but there are people who may be sitting here today who are condemned where you sit because you recognize God as creator but not Christ as savior you haven't made the transition so this one this criminal in his confession on the cross we are getting what we deserve we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds we're getting every bit of what we deserve in the fullest extent we deserve no mercy we don't deserve it. Even if He did call down heaven and He did get off the cross, we don't deserve to get off. And so He's confessing all this. Here is something that's transpiring on either side of Jesus being the light of the world. This one criminal on the cross of confession is confessing his guiltiness before the Christ who is the light of the world and bringing his deeds that they may be clearly seen what they are. And they're exposing his mind. They're exposing his will. They're exposing his actions. He's saying, I'm guilty. I'm dead. I deserve this. And he moves on to what you and I will not find on a gospel track. We will not find this as the gospel approach of bringing people to Christ. And this man, this criminal, who's on the other side of the other criminal with Jesus in the middle, he looks and he says here in verse 42, Jesus... Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, when we're going through a plan of salvation, we don't turn to Luke 23 and use this as that example. But Jesus, knowing the very heart of this criminal, what he has already expressed and already confessed is, yeah, we deserve all of this. Don't you fear God? We're getting our reward. We're getting our due payment. All of this, we're getting it. And the light of the world who is physically dying, who is bearing the sin of all mankind in the middle, responds to the criminal while they're both dying with the second saying from the cross. Assuredly, some versions may say truly, truly, or amen, amen, or verily, verily. I say to you, meaning this is something highly important. You and I say amen at the end of a prayer. Jesus here is saying at the very beginning, saying this is truth. And all he said was true, but he was putting a lot of emphasis on what he was saying. Surely I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, that's a Persian word that is used to describe that of a garden. It's used to describe something that with trees or something that even in the Garden of Eden that we would think about. And when Jesus said today, was he talking about something with eschatology that would happen of the resurrection back some, or sometime in the future? Possibly, but some scholars say, or a lot of scholars say, no, it's today. Today, yeah, you'll be resurrected one day, but today you will be with me in a place of paradise. And where I am, that's where you'll be. Where else would you and I ever want to be is in the place where Jesus is. Even in the moment of death, Jesus said, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, when Jesus died, as Peter was speaking in Acts chapter 2 and Luke would record that it would, Peter would say that about Christ that his soul would not stay in Hades. You go, what's Hades? When we think as believers, when a person who is an unbeliever dies, we think in future tense that the person went straight to hell. 
but is Hades, is a temporary place of torment. Because in Luke chapter 16, Jesus gave a parable about this, about the rich man and Lazarus. Hades was a place that was divided with a chasm, that the righteous went to the bosom of Abraham, and it was there that they would wait. And then those who did not have righteousness went to the place of torment, as the rich man did, and was in torment, and that there was a chasm between the two. At Jesus' resurrection, he emptied Abraham's bosom of Hades, and those were resurrected and went into the presence of the Father. It's a tough passage to go through because when you get into 1 Peter chapter 3, that Jesus preached victory to the spirits, not talking about human spirit, but to angelic spirits who had rejected him, and he proclaimed victory over them. His victory, not that they could receive it, but proclaimed it. He says, today, you will be with me in paradise, for where I am, there you will be. And from the cross, he said it. So you have a cross of condemnation. You have the cross of confession. But there's another cross. It's the one in the middle. It is the one in the middle that Jesus took Barabbas' place. He became his substitute. Even with Barabbas not loving Jesus, not fearing Jesus, having no kind word toward Jesus, Christ died for Barabbas. While this criminal of condemnation still hurled insults at Jesus, Jesus died for him. So this one in the middle stood between God and mankind. He stood between God and you. And took every bit of your sins, those ones that you do not want to be on the Skytron at M.M. Roberts Stadium saying these are the ones you commit. You know, I know what I did. I don't need everybody else to see them. I know I'm guilty. So he became our substitute. He became our propitiation. He became the one that took the full wrath of God for our sin. And God is fully satisfied in Christ and the sacrifice that Christ gave of himself. In the Old Testament, when sacrifices were given, it was by the blood of the sacrifice that appeased God. Then when Christ died, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world, God was completely satisfied in what Christ did in the sacrifice through His blood. You and I, today, have equal access to Christ. Today. Today, you and I have equal opportunity to Christ today. Because in the hearing of the Word of God, God has given you equal access to Him through His Son. So as you look in front of you, and I don't know if it was the right or the left, but one of those crosses represented the cross of condemnation. And if you're an unbeliever, you are condemned. You stand condemned until your faith is placed in the risen Savior. But then on the other side, there's another cross. It's a cross of confession. It's the one that is put, as Jason has said, has put all their weight and life and will and heart and mind in a risen, living Savior. No longer to stand condemned but to be forgiven. You can only be on one cross. You can't be on both. Either you're hanging on the cross of condemnation or you have once now been put on the cross of confession and you no longer bear your sins any longer. Christ has forgiven you. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment.
In just a moment, we're going to take of the Lord's Supper, these elements. And anyone who professes the name of Jesus, who has repented of their sins and made Jesus their Lord and Savior, gets to partake. But there's a word of caution that comes with it. Just because you were born in Mississippi, and just because you're a resident of the United States, doesn't mean you can take of the Lord's Supper. It's only those who have placed their faith in a risen Savior. So if someone who is from Canada or they're from Cuba or they're from any other parts of the world and they profess Christ as Lord and they were here today, they could take part. But there's also a word of caution that if you're an unbeliever, and the Spirit of God is revealing that to you, that you need to call upon Christ to save you in your heart right now. For as with your heart confession is made unto salvation, would you in, your, in the silence of the moment, would you confess Christ as your Lord? Would you confess that you are the sinner and would you ask Him to forgive you? If you have done that, please let someone know this morning that you have. And you'll be able to partake of the Lord's Supper. These elements do not become the actual body of Jesus, nor does it actually become the very blood of Jesus. It only is very symbolic of what Christ did for us, that He gave every bit of Himself for all of mankind. He gave every bit of Himself for you. He did not hold back. He didn't give a little. He didn't give some. He didn't give most. He gave all. And then even as a believer... Positionally, you will always be with Christ. That can never change and will never change. But practically, if you are living in open disobedience to God, you need to confess that disobedience to Him right now. Because if you withhold that, there is a possibility that God will discipline you because you have not judged your practical sin. And it says over there in 1 Corinthians that there were many on their deathbeds because they partook of the agape love feast in a wrong attitude. Some were getting drunk. And God had put them on their deathbed because they refused to judge their own sin as believers. If you're in a fellowship with Christ, then you'll be welcome to take of the Lord's Supper. But you need to take an inward look of where you are today. And if there's any sin go ahead and confess it to the Father. Heavenly Father, we know that when your son died on the cross, it was very serious. It wasn't smoke. It wasn't fireworks. It was a very somber day. Because from 12 to 3, darkness came on the earth, Father, and you brought that showing that your son was bearing the sin of mankind. And then when he died, the temple veil you tore from top to bottom, letting us know there is access to you. That we don't have to go to a temple. That anytime, anywhere, any place, we can come into your presence. 
and you have provided that for us. Condemned mankind, you provided your mercy, your love, your grace. Thank you that when we were not thinking of you, you were thinking of us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to take of the Lord's Supper. And because of what we're having to go through, we try to limit the amount of um, handling the different um, elements and the container that it's in, that they have been placed in front of you in your pew next to your songbook. Those of you on the front row are going to have to reach over your shoulder and grab them. So, as believers, and if someone outside, if you have driven up and you are a believer and you may need um, some elements, if you'll just honk your horn, you'll, someone will bring them to you. If not, I believe you have been giving them to you outside, also downstairs, but also here in front of you, but also behind you. If this time, or at this time, if you are a born-again believer, I encourage you, if you're not a believer, do not take of this because you would be stomping on the very grace of God. You would be spitting in His face because you have not accepted His grace. You're stomping on His blood. However, as believers... If you would see in this cup that has the wafer, it represents the very body of Jesus. It doesn't actually become his body, just symbolic. If you'll take that wafer out, that Jesus' body was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of him. At the same time that night Jesus took a cup and he blessed it and he said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood as often as you drink of it do this in remembrance of me and he would add something else to it and it says here in 1 Corinthians 10 before we take of it as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. If you would take the cup that has the juice, this is the cup of the new covenant. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. If you will put those two back together and place them back in the cup holder, we take of this we are proclaiming the Lord's death in which he went to the cross completely knowing what was going to happen and did it all for his love for us if you would stand I believe Jason is going to come and lead us in a chorus I believe You know, that's a, a great reminder of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Where His body was broken for us and His blood was shed for us. And we know that going through this, this is not actually what saves us. This is just a reminder of what God has done for us and done in us. We're going to close with the course of Because He Lives.
Jesus, because He lives.